Hello, and welcome to the Code Youngstown podcast. My name is Neil Primer, and with me today is Chris Harwell. Hi. And Joe Dunko. Hey. This month, our guest is Chandler Fiffick, the director of and I, sorry, I just asked you the title and I completely fell out of my head. Um, I guess go ahead and give us an introduction with your title uh, for the YBI. My name is Chandler Fiffick, and I am the director of the Evolve Technology Entrepreneurship Program at the Youngstown Business Incubator. Excellent. Thank you. Can you give just a little bit of a summary about what the Youngstown Business Incubator is? Yeah, sure. So um, YBI, which is the Youngstown Business Incubator for short, is a truly just that. It's a business incubator. So we work with all startup entrepreneurs in the Northeast Ohio region. So not just Youngstown. We have five programs. So my program, the Evolve Technology Program, is the kind of the flagship program. It's the one that started it all. And then that has, we've spread. We've, you know, noticed um, needs within the community and also areas that just being in Northeast Ohio, we should be touching that we weren't. So programs came on board kind of like this. We started with the Evolve Technology Program, formerly called the Entrepreneur entrepreneurial services program and spread to the women in entrepreneurs program. And I'll probably get the um, mix up when the programs came on. But then shortly after that, we had the additive manufacturing program, which is really now the advanced manufacturing program. And the minority business assistance center came on. And now we just added the youth entrepreneurs program. So we have five programs now. And five buildings in downtown Youngstown. It's really cool. It sounds like there's a, a lot going on down there. There is so much, yeah. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about your background? What got you into the tech scene and into the Youngstown Business Incubator? Well, that is a story. So I am actually not from the area. I was raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, after college, I actually went to college in Auburn, Alabama, which is strangely enough, another huge, um, it's an engineering school, has a lot of additive manufacturing down there, but I didn't even know that at the time I wasn't paying attention to that. Um, after college, I wanted to spread my wings. So I moved to New York city and I landed a job, um, working for a high end, um, kind of like a, a fancy hotel corporation. So it was called Balage Properties and they own um, all those hotels that nobody can afford to go to in the real world. So the Chateau Marmont in California and then the Mercer Hotel in New York City. Um, And I was really thrown into the real world. I had a Southern accent, which I had to quickly lose because nobody took me seriously. And it was pretty cutthroat. Um, From there, I kind of found another job working for a an interior designer in New York City, right in Bryant Park, which I just I loved it. I didn't do design. I worked strictly um, administration and operations. So kind of the behind the scenes work. But I got to meet all kinds of people from really um, 
all over New York and California, really. And I, I kind of started learning the ropes on how business was run. So like um, any crazy 23-year-old, I decided to follow my then, well, fiance to Chicago, Illinois. And um, we got married and I landed a job working for another uh, interior design firm that this time in Chicago. Did that for a while. And I will say, again, working operations, administration, all the behind the scenes, nitty gritty work that goes into it. And I was working before I quit and I quit for a number of reasons. Um, I actually regret, regret quitting because I should have stuck it out. But I quit because I was then going through a divorce and um, I was just working 80 hour weeks and I was young and stupid. So I quit, started working um, after I quit for, started just being a hostess and a bartender. Um, actually, this is after I had a job for a, a restaurant group, which was interesting, but not, not one of my favorites. It was a little bit less fast paced. But I started um, after I was working in this French restaurant for about a year. I met a gentleman who um, was the owner of a beer distributorship in Chicago. And he wanted, um, you know, he was just asked for my resume. I told him I was looking for a job and saw my resume and said, well, why don't you start this foundation for me? I have a little bit of money. I want to do something good for Chicago. You have the background. You could do this. So I did. And I started um, the Chicago Music and Performing Arts Foundation. That is no longer running. I think it's kind of been absorbed into another foundation, but it was it was a blast. I started it from ground up and got it going, and we were providing after-school arts and um, music programming to inner-city Chicago youth. So, I mean, I learned a ton. I learned about the nonprofit space. I learned about startups. Didn't learn a thing about tech, though. So, um to long story short, I met my now husband living in Chicago and three kids later, we decided to leave and move back to his hometown of Camfield, which is where he was born. It's a suburb of Youngstown. That's actually where I'm living now. And um, over the COVID, when everybody was home, everybody was in my house, I was like, I got to go back to work. I can't even take this. Um I need to go back to work. And I, I was just ready. So I was lucky enough to know somebody that knew people at YBI. They knew that um, they were looking for somebody to work in this tech program. And they recommended me. So I sent in my resume. And it was a long interview process. I feel like it was about six months. But it may not have been that long. But um, I, I was lucky enough to, to get the job. So I started for two years working as coordinator in the tech program and kind of learned the ropes. I did a lot of grant writing for YBI, which I really loved because um, I just like to write and it's it's a great skill. It makes you think critically and it, it, it teaches you how to think. So I would recommend anybody do some grant writing um, because it's just, it's, it's a good skill to have. But anyhow, I learned the ropes. I learned about the tech companies. I started, you know, I'm a pretty quick learner. But one thing I'm uh, real good at doing is I'm good at getting things done. I have a very type A personality, one of those people that drives everybody nuts. So um, I, you know, they gave me the job as director and here I am. I don't know a ton about tech, which is why 
We are thrilled to have Joe coming aboard as a full stack development EIR. Um, but, you know, I know about startups, I know about the nonprofit world, and I know how to get things done. So that was a long story, I know. There is nothing wrong with a long story. Yeah. You know, one of the things I noticed in there is, you know, you said prior to starting with YBI, you had no real technical knowledge like of how like the tech scene works or mm-hmm. um, anything kind of tangential to that you know what do you think some of the bigger difficulties you had were adjusting into a role where you had to learn a lot of that pretty quickly well my particular role i don't need to know tech per se i need to know starting a business and that i knew um so i that, you know, it, it was really just learning the ropes about how YBI worked. There's a lot to it. I didn't know a lot about venture, you know, capital. So I've had to learn a lot there. And really grant writing helped with that. Grant writing helps kind of learning a lot more about ec- economic development and the nonprofit scene as well. So um, the tech part isn't isn't too hard for me. You know, I need to know enough to, to be dangerous, but I don't need to know the nitty gritty. You know, I'm pretty good with a computer. I can work an app. I, you know, a lot of things I can Google and be like, oh, what's a wireframe? Google that. But uh, again, I don't need to know the serious details because you you need to go to school for that. So, you know, you need to know how to code. Um, I I think a big part of my job is finding the people that do know and and getting their help for our companies. So, you know, we kind of put a little bit of detail into what it is the YBI does. Um, I want to go into a little bit more detail with that. So from the perspective of, you know, someone in the Youngstown area who's technical wants to create a startup or do something with, you know, their education and their drive, um, what are some of the things that they could approach YBI to help them with? So a young person that wants to start a business? Uh, yeah, like say a college new grad or, you know, maybe a, a, a two or group of two or three. I think somebody, so I can speak to the tech side of the house, but I think uh, what a lot of people do not know about YBI is we will, we like to see you at the idea stage. Apply when you have just an idea, just a thought, or you you have what we really like to say is you have found a problem and you think you have a solution to a problem and not necessarily just an idea. And we will walk you through the process of starting a business. We truly are a bespoke incubation model. So we will meet the client wherever they are in their startup cycle and we'll tailor our programming to your needs. So we're not an accelerator. Um, we have companies, all types of tech-based companies. So they all need different things and they're all at different stages of development. And, you know, we we try really, really hard to get them what they need. It's, it's just a constant, you know, whether it's bringing on somebody that can talk to them about building their MVP or um, say they have, this is a, a med tech company, bringing on an EIR that knows that space or connecting them to venture fund managers for access to capital or getting them into a program so they can do a deep dive of customer discovery, which is essential to starting a business. And I'd let any of your um, listeners should know that if you are going to start a business, 
before you put even a dime into your business, you have got to make sure you do a thorough customer discovery deep dive. And that's the worst part. None of none of my founders like to do it because it stinks. It's not fun. And what that is, is you basically have to do 100 interviews at, at the minimum asking people in your life or just random people or random businesses you know, specific questions to get the answers you need to feel confident to then put the money in to start the business. Because a lot of times we'll, I've, we've had people come that have, you know, spent so much on legal fees or so much on that. And they don't even know if they have a customer. They don't, they don't even know if what they are building or what they are selling is going to to a, you know, if it's a problem that's being solved at all. So it's really, really important. And that's why we like to see our founders at the idea stage, come in, we'll talk through it. We'll figure out, we'll give you homework. We'll give you, um, connections that you need. We want you to succeed. Our entire purpose of being in downtown Youngstown is to bring businesses and to the area to, so that jobs can be created and, tax revenue collected so that, you know, Youngstown or hopefully Northeast Ohio can begin to thrive again. Um, so we truly are service-based. We take no equity in our companies. We don't charge. We're fun- My program is funded through the state and private donations. So um, it's, it's a service-based organization. We don't want to hinder our founders at all. We want to give them what they need to succeed. That sounds like a uh... A whole lot of help that you guys can offer. Um, we can, yeah, yeah. Um, so something you mentioned uh, during that explanation was, you know, that YBI is an incubator, not an accelerator. Um, just for the benefit of the audience, could you kind of give a compare and contrast between how that differs? Sure. So an incubator. I mean, you literally could just think of a little like, what is it? Like a chicken incubating little thing. If you go to a zoo, I mean, we take the business and we baby it and we give them all the help and love that they need to thrive and to become a big, bad business that can make it on their own. So that's what we do. An accelerator is typically like a, it can be any length of time from six weeks to six months but it's a, a program where you're taking step-by-step, usually classes that you then have to complete and finish. Um, and then after the accelerator is over, they you're, you're done, you're out of the program. So, or, you know, maybe there's some mentorship that you, you will have from that, but it's kind of a different approach completely. Our women and entrepreneur, women entrepreneurs program at YBI is in fact an accelerator. So it go, it's six weeks, I believe, and it goes through a create, launch, grow model. And it just kind of takes you through a six-week deep dive in how to start a business. But it's different. So an incubator, I mean, we have companies that have been with us for 10 years. I mean, and, and we'll keep them. If you want to stay and you want to keep, you know, in the inner circle so you can keep talking to other founders, you want our resources, um, we, we let them stay. So you know, it's, it's just a, it's truly a, I don't know, what's a good way of kind of a, not hand-holding, but almost a support network for a new business, for a startup. Startups are, 
I don't know if it's five to seven years, I should probably know what's actually considered a startup. There's a lot of different details into what could be a startup, even revenue and employees. But um, I actually should have found that out, the exact definition of a startup. I, I from uh, a lot of the Silicon Valley references to startups, it basically comes down to, uh, are you still taking additional funding rounds or have you been acquired already? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. So that, that could be a long, long time then. So yeah, yeah. lots of different definitions. Um, so, you know, it sounds like you guys kind of have a long tail of uh, membership when it comes to the companies that have gone through the incubation program. Uh, you know, some of them might start, get successful and kind of venture off on their own, but some of them might stick around for the long term whether because they still need the support or because they want to provide support to, you know, back to YBI or other, uh, other new ventures inside the incubation program. Um, you know, what sort of real benefits do those longer term participants see over, you know, companies that just kind of like come in, get started and leave? Well, especially if they are in the buildings or one of our buildings. So we have an entire building. It's actually the old Vindicator printing house that's dedicated to our additive manufacturing buildings. But there is, it's a cluster. So you can learn about what's the new stuff that's going on in my particular tech field. Um, it's just having that, you know, a, a startup businesses can be really lonely, um, because you're a lot of times doing it on your own and you have no one to talk to. And I, I mean, half the time I talk to our founders and, you know, maybe one or two calls, up, you know, every six months is almost like a therapy session just so they can unload on the crap they're dealing with because it's a lot. So it's nice to be um, in a network with people that know what you're going through. So that would be one reason that I think a lot of them stick around. Other ones just, they want to pay it forward. So they want to be a part of, because number one, they care about Youngstown and Northeast Ohio and the Mahoning Valley, and they, they want to see other companies succeed. So they want to help how they can. Um, they, a lot of them want to just help YBI. You know, how can we help YBI? You guys have done a lot for us. We want to give it back to you. Um, and and why not? You know, you you can stay every now and then there's a resource that you want to take advantage of. Uh, you know, something that I think a lot of people don't really know about incubators is, you know, what sort of effects are there for people in the community outside of just those businesses that themselves, um, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, starting these businesses, getting them uh, up and running and successful, like leads to additional tax revenue for mm -hmm. like local government leads to additional career opportunities. Um, do you have any examples or anything else to talk about, like the community growth that comes out of some of these businesses that have come out of the, the incubation programs? Well, I mean, I could speak to it from a high level. I will say I've only been at YBI for two years. Um, so I'm sure that our CEO, Barb, or someone that's been there way longer could give you better examples than I could. And I know they are there. Um, I, what I could say from a high level is, you know, 
the more exciting businesses that are coming out of a certain region, the more people you're going to get to move there, the more businesses are going to be created. And then when those, you know, especially tech businesses, when those businesses get created, it trickles down so that then people can create the consumer facing businesses that make communities whole and, and where you want to live, you know, restaurants and boutique shopping or, you know, all those things that make it fun to just live in a community. I, I personally think that's something that can can really happen if you get a lot of tech businesses in the area. And it's fun to be a part of, um, you know, not just a startup business. And I'm sorry, I'm getting completely distracted because my phone is sitting here ringing, even though I turned it off, I thought. Um it's fun to be a, a part of that type of ecosystem where just there's stuff happening and new things popping up every time. And I'm doing something for my community. I'm doing something exciting and new. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm sure that doesn't answer your question exactly, but I hope it did it enough at least. Yeah. I think that was uh, a lot of what I was looking for out of that is, yeah. um, you know, those kind of, secondary and tertiary benefits that come with the the incubation program rather than just the the first level benefits of like these new companies coming in and what they can offer. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how someone who is maybe not interested in founding a company or participating in the incubation program directly might be able to be involved with the incubator, whether it's um, providing some other level of support to the companies that are in the incubation program, or maybe just contacting YBI for uh, job leads, let's say. Yeah, I mean, we so we have lots of different um, companies that need interns, and we have different grants that provided you know, a certain amount of funding for different internship opportunities. So we're always looking for interns for our companies. So that's, that's how um, a young, you know, not necessarily entrepreneur, but somebody that's looking to get marketing experience could reach out to us and we'll try and find, you know, a place, a company to put you with so you can get that experience. Um, and also if, you know, and we've had, you know, more, seasoned veterans that just care about Youngstown reach us out to us and say, how do I help these companies? And um, a few of them have ended up being entrepreneurs in residence or EIRs, as we like to call them. So they're really just mentors to our founders. So those are just two small ways. Obviously, you could always donate, <laughs> um, which is um, another way to help because the money goes back, you know, into programs and you know, things that are going to help these companies. You know, given that mention again of EIRs, um, I'm going to actually pass the ball over to Joe for a little bit to uh, lead the conversation and talk about how his involvement has started at uh, YBI and how that relates to the uh, different programs there. Oh, um, so I've been... I wouldn't say working with, but I, I've been I've had various experiences with the YBI from uh, HackYSU. They were one of our first funders. Uh, without them, HackYSU would not happen. Uh, they are one of the most consistent uh, sponsors of, of HackYSU, and you know it, it still wouldn't continue to this day. So, as one of the people who helped start HackYSU, that's something I am still very appreciative to the YBI and kind of established. You know my some of my personal relationship with the YBI uh, there, 
um, Code Youngstown, uh, their first um, meeting or second meeting rather uh, way back in the day, I think more than seven years ago was at the YBI as well. Um, so Code Youngstown and the YBI have had uh, uh, you know, a relationship for a long time um, as well as the, when I started my startup, um, uh, the event discovery company, uh, the YBI was a great resource. Um, they pushed us towards programs like uh, the Akron's iCore program, which is a a customer dis- a specific customer discovery program where I'm sure the Evolve program does similar things. Uh, but iCore um, uh, was, was something that I was I was driving up to to Akron as part of the whole like Northeast Ohio entrepreneurship entrepreneurship uh, network. Uh, so that was a really cool experience. Um, I also had really positive experiences with um, Heather, who was one of the the EIRs at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and without her, uh, I don't think we would have uh, been able to pitch whatsoever. We ended up raising uh, $15,000 from Bounce, uh, which is another Northeast Ohio uh, startup incubator. Um, so it, there's a lot of uh, crosstalk between them, a lot of, of um, resources that we were able to take advantage of while we were starting a startup. Um, and, uh, this is kind of, um, uh, putting the energy back into the, that we were uh, me and, and my team were able to, uh, to get from these resources and putting it back in through my work with, the, the code Youngstown. And most recently, uh, you know, starting up as a EIR, uh, shortly at, uh, YPI. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm hoping to, to make a, uh, as, as positive of, of an impact as I can through that program and, um. You know, things are still kind of coming together there, um, and I'm very excited. And, and thank you so much, Chandler, for the opportunity. And I'm looking for it's it's kind of fun to, um, you know, learn more about you because we've really only talked during like the interview process and re- and relatively yeah. to other startups and not really like personally. So this is kind of a cool opportunity to do that. Um, I'm I'm not sure if I have a specific question. Um, I think I did want to ask about, I don't know. I know back in the day, Jim Costler used to have a variety of success stories that he used to talk about, uh, during some of his presentations. And I was just wondering if maybe you had any of those on tap, maybe you could share with us. And if, if not, that's, that's cool. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people know the turning technologies, which was our largest exit to date. They took over the an entire building. I cannot remember how many employees they had, but they they brought a ton of jobs to Youngstown. So that was a huge, huge success story. They are all, you know, like many um, places, they went remote due to COVID, and then now they stayed remote. So that um, building is actually being leased out to a company called Steel Light, which and they're redoing the building completely. Um, it's, I, I believe they sell like dinnerware, but they're, you know, international company. So um, definitely turning technologies, great, great company. But we have a number just right now of additive manufacturing companies. You know, that is a whole kind of a new technology, not that new. It's a, it's watching these companies grow. Um, Juggerbot 3D, they were YSU grads and they've been at um, YBI longer than I have for sure. But I know um, just from hearing stories, they really did the whole startup process and still are, you know, they were going to work to their day job nine to five, and then they would come to work on their startup 
at YBI when the YBI staff was going home. So, you know, that's a really great example of what it takes to be a startup founder. You and a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to work for myself. It's going to be easier. No, it is not. It is not at all. It's going to be more rewarding and it's worth it. But it you're going to be working, you know, nonstop. And especially those not just the first year, the first, you know, as long as you're considered a startup. So, you know, whether that's whether you consider that five years or 10 years or until you um, are acquired, it, it is nonstop work, not just for you, but for your employees. So that's another thing that I would tell um, a startup is make sure your employees know that it's super fun and you get to be on, you know, be on board to build a company, but it's it's not for the faint of heart for sure. So we've had a ton of success. Um, we've had companies now co- that have um, come to YBI from other areas of the country. So um, Ursa Major is one of our additive um, companies. They are based in Colorado, but because of our additive manufacturing cluster, they wanted to have a space in Youngstown. Um, they actually uh, they actually do, um, they 3D print, I'm going to say parts for rockets, but I could get that wrong. So I will say absolutely go on the Ursa Major website because I don't know that well, but I know it's super cool. Um, they, so we have another additive company that's based in El Paso, Texas, and they have a second location now at YBI called Tailored Alloys. It's, it's a true startup. Um, so all these companies that are being attracted to the region simply because of the additive manufacturing cluster there, um, or here, I should say. So um, as for digital, we have a ton of companies. I would like to see more Northeast, more Youngstown or Mahoning Valley SaaS companies coming out of Mahoning Valley. A lot of my companies right now are more in the Cleveland area. So um, we do have one that, um, Aura Beauty, that is um, a new startup and they are based at, in Youngstown. So we're very, very excited about that. But there is such an opportunity for Youngstown new college grads to, you know, start a tech company. Why not here? You know, you get to start and on day one, you have access to the entire United States because you have no infrastructure. Um, it's, you know, you're fast to market, fast to fail. You can be located anywhere. You know, it's just, it's a great place to start a business, except especially for a young founder. You know, it's expensive starting a business. You think you want to go to New York and start a business. Okay, well, good luck because there's eight, how many other million other people there doing the same thing. And then you have to pay rent and then you have to pay for food and everything's way more expensive. So why not do it here where you just from day one, you're more likely to succeed because, you know, of the big fish in a small pond type thing. I, I think a lot of, um, you know, potential startup founders don't um, understand that, you know, quitting your job and or uh, taking on uh, funding uh, is basically a time bomb that you're you're holding, right? Like you, you suddenly have a very limited amount of time uh, to work on the problem. Um, and that was one, I, I wouldn't say regret. I think that, uh, with my startup, we ended up quitting our jobs early. Um, I think that we had a lot of things to learn. Um, and just the raw amount of time it was going to take to learn those things um, may or may not have necess- necessitated, 
made it necessary to uh, quit our jobs, but that made it so that, you know, we lost a lot of time or we lost a lot more money than we maybe otherwise would have on what ended up being like a, a, a an idea that we couldn't execute fast enough. And maybe if we didn't quit our jobs and we spent more time uh, iterating, um, you know, we could have done that. Um, on the other hand, uh, being able to spend uh, two years on a, on a startup, I'm very thankful we were able to, to raise enough money and, and have enough resources to do that, uh, did end up landing uh, all three. My team was fully technical. All three of us, um, you know, better jobs that paid twice as much as our, our previous gigs. So we ended up landing on our feet. And I, I guess I say that anecdotally as like a little bit of a motivator to, you know, if you're you're uh, leaving college and you're looking at starting a tech company, that isn't wasted time on your resume. That's, that's time you can talk about and still land, you know, on your feet. Um, the, I, as a, not really a segue, but one other thing I wanted to ask was, um, I know that, um, uh, one of the reasons I'm being brought in is to help uh, a lot of these, uh, especially non-technical founders navigate the technical piece of their, their startup. Um, do you find that most founders or, or potential founders that approach the YBI uh, to work on software? I ask because uh, you know Code Youngstown software is the thing, our, our bread and butter. Um, are technical, or are you are you seeing a decent chunk of technical people approaching the YBI and maybe not following through? Um, I. I would say the majority of our, well, actually first, Joe, before I forget, I want to say this, I do a startup 101 course. And one of the huge things I like to remind people is that a startup that does not necessarily succeed in the long run is still an A plus resume builder. I mean, nothing looks better on your resume than that, because now you've gotten experience doing every single thing. Um, so I try and remind, we have a number of founders that come in and they're on their second startup and this time it's working. So that should never put anybody off. But, um, the majority of our entrepreneurs that come in with maybe, you know, a digital, um, tech company. So, a you know, a B, let's just say a B2B SaaS company. A lot of them are not technical, so they need a, really what they need is a technical co-founder. But that can be a lot at the beginning. I mean, that's a huge to put that kind of trust in somebody when you're not ready. You just you need to wait. You need time. So um, getting help building their MVP and walking through those steps is a huge, huge need that our founders have. Hence why we so we're so thrilled to have you coming aboard, Joe. But um, yeah, so I usually say either or I would say I either see kind of the CEO mentality or the CTO mentality. You know, we all bring th different things to the table. And, you know, every now and then you'll get the person that has it all, which is amazing. But um, I, I think that's just kind of part of being a startup founder too, is to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and go find what you don't have and bring it on board so that you can be successful. And it is something I'm I'm very excited about is that with, um, you know, as the YBI and Code Youngstown begin working more closely together, uh, not just through my particip participation in the the YBI, but just conversations like this, and uh, different uh, events and 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 sharing of information. Hopefully, we could help bridge that gap where. Um, you know, people who come to you who are maybe non-technical or maybe able to partner them with people who are technical and local 
um, that are interested in pursuing those things. So I'm very excited at the prospects of that. Uh, yeah, we are too. We are too. And, you know, I, I will also say it's funny. I can usually tell almost on the first discovery call I have with a founder, whether or not they have what it takes to, to do it. And you, it's just a, it's a, do you have this drive? Do you, do you have a go-getter attitude? Are you a doer more than anything? Like sometimes you just have to like, don't worry about all the details, just go do it. And if it doesn't work, then try something else. I mean, that's really the mentality you have to have and you have to be okay with failing because you're gonna, I mean, it's just, you're gonna fail, but that doesn't mean you can't learn from that and, you know, figure out what's going to work. So, um, yeah, we see that we see. And also just to say, you know, I, I'm so glad to have you on board for the fact that just knowing that you're there and that we can offer this help to will hopefully bring more deal flow to YBI with people knowing, okay, I don't know how to code, but there's somebody that does and that can help me still get my business off the ground. Definitely. And it's exciting to have those, you know, more options for people who come to the YBI. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to segue to, um, I think uh, Chris has, is the only host that hasn't uh, gotten the chance to ask any questions. Chris, uh, did you have anything you wanted to ask Chandler? Yeah, um, I don't know if you, I don't think you mentioned it, but um, one of the questions that I had were, um, we've talked a lot about tech, but are there other, like, are there specific types of startups or like what kind of startups are funded? Is there like preference towards ones or the other? So, yeah. Funded by way of like venture capital, or however, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how funding happens, but I guess that's another question. How does funding happen? But yeah, just how does what what kind of companies do you get funded? Well, so that that so YBI itself does not fund companies. We take no equity. So usually when you hear funding, you think of venture capital where a venture fund is taking a small bit of equity in your company in exchange for money, um, capital infusion. So YBI takes no equity. So we don't actually fund companies. What we do is we have connections to those fund managers. And after a time, and, and, and it is a time usually, especially if you're coming with us in an idea stage, we will work with you to make sure that you've done the appropriate amount of customer discovery, you've built your MVP, you have to have a top-notch top pitch deck. Um, a pitch deck in the tech world is basically your business plan because most tech founders want to go after venture funding and not get a business loan from a bank. So um, if you're going to get a loan from a bank, you need a business plan. But if you're going to get money from a venture fund, you need a an amazing pitch deck. And that's usually 12 slides, like PowerPoint slides. And they're very specific on what they like to see. And I have... Um, and YBI, we have an outline that I put together with a fund manager so that I can make sure that these founders have the perfect deck and are ready to, to go in front of the firing squad, which is the venture fund manager. Um, they will, you got to be sure that you can answer all of their questions because they will ask them. And that's how they get funded. Now, um, typically, 
the ones they fund are the SaaS companies. I mean, that's when you're when you think of venture capital, that's what you're thinking of. There is a push, especially in the Midwest, to get these tech-based um, companies such as the Industrial Internet of Things or additive manufacturing companies to start getting those funded. Now, that's new, and it's kind of a different process, especially with, say, additive, because there's infrastructure involved, and it's just a whole other thing. So um, we're working on that, and there is a fund. I think it's uh, is it associated with Magnet, but... Um, it's, yeah, it's Magnet in Cleveland, but it's called the Advanced Manufacturing Fund. And they do look to fund, especially even at the idea stage, some of these new tech-based manufacturing companies. So it's a new push. And I guess I'll say everyone's, we're working on it. We're working on it. So um, these companies need funded too. But when you typically think of venture fund, you know, capital infusion, then it's typically your SaaS company. So software as a service. Think Airbnb, Amazon, in case I assume that all of your Code Young Sound people know what that is, but I, you know, never know. Uh, that's really interesting. I, I had the impression there for a moment that there was something, some kind of funding, because I know Joe mentioned sponsoring. So I guess I, maybe I used the wrong word there, but yeah. I was, um, that's interesting. So my takeaway and understanding is you kind of just help um, people founding startups to get the tools they need. Is that kind of the gist? That's exactly it. And we do, you know, the funding that we provide is like access to Joe or, you know, access to people that you would have to pay a large amount of a large consulting fee to get their help. Um, we also have some donated legal and marketing services that our, com- our portfolio companies can apply for. And you aren't extended and offered to become a portfolio company until, you know, you've worked with me and kind of shown some progress for some time. But um, we also have a small grant fund that can help companies. Um, they can apply for it if, if, if they're just trying to, <laughs> if they're just trying to um you know, maybe have a website developed or um, they need, let's say they're an additive company, they want to buy a new um, machine or materials to print off their machine or, you know, so we do have grant funding that is available to our portfolio companies, but they do have to apply for it. And it's small. It's it's not huge. It's really project-based. Can you talk a little bit about that funding? I've had some experience with that. I think that's one of the uh, things that um, if you're a technical or non-technical founder, I know that uh, I think the fund that you're specifically referring to, it works slightly, uh, it seems to have slightly different effects depending on whether or not you are, uh, let me go back a little. So as a technical founder with other technical founders, it was kind of difficult to find uh, funding uh, from the, the Northeast Ohio entrepreneurship network, uh, because we were our primary, uh, cost, right. Um, I think that the, um, some, a lot of the, the grant funding is like, uh, and feel free to correct, uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. uh, is like they pay half of a, up to a certain amount of certain, um, costs within a bunch of different guidelines and you can't pay yourselves. So that makes it very, 
um, difficult for a non-technical founder to take advantage of that outside of say paying for like hosting or like office space or, or something like that. Um, is that all, all true? Um, and if so, um, do you have any, any thoughts or, or feelings about that? Um, uh, especially because it, um, it can, I know that when I, I, we were looking for funding, that was a little tough for us to, uh, navigate these different funds and these different opportunities and figure out what was for us and not for us as technical founders, as most people listening to the, the Code Youngstown podcast may be. That's actually a really interesting point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, I've, I have one entrepreneur right now that does not need a coder. He knows how to do it. He can build, he builds his entire thing and he has people that are working with him that can build it. So it's like, what am I supposed to apply? You know, what, how do I, what do I use this money for? You know, I'm, you know, I guess he maybe even feels a little bit punished because he already knows how to do that. So I guess what I would say is, the fund comes through the state of Ohio, so we do have to abide by their terms. It's a one-to-one match, so it insists that um, founders have to, you know, let's just say you ask for $3,000 for this sp- specific project. You also have to put in 3000 and it's really just a way, or or say the project's 3000 you put in 1500 and this fund puts in 1500 Um it's a way to make sure that the founder has skin in the game. And that is important because if you don't have skin in the game, then you don't care as much if it fails. Um, I would tell anybody that is a technical founder that there are way, there are so many things that you need to pay for that you don't realize. So marketing, marketing is huge and you're going to need that. So you can use the funds on marketing. You can use the funds on legal fees. If one day you are going to go for venture funding, you need to convert your LLC, which is probably what, you know, how you've incorporated. You need to convert that to a Delaware C and that's expensive. Um, so you could use the fund towards that there. Um, you know, there's there's ways to get around it and we always figure it out. Let me tell you that we are able to figure out ways to get around it and where we can use that money. Awesome. That's encouraging. And I, I definitely, um, you know, I, I think that it is important because uh, when people apply for an incubator or accelerator, you know, they have certain expectations, especially because, you know, money's always on the mind and, and how to afford X or Y or Z. And I think setting those expectations up front, especially uh, for our listeners, I, I think is important. So thank you so much for, for going into that, Chandler. I, I That is something that... Uh, I'm I'm doing my best to ask the questions that I wish I was able to that I was um that if this podcast existed when I was starting a startup that I would have known um about the YBI. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and let me also say um so it, it's an application process. So you apply and then your application goes in front of what YBI's client development committee and they will really they hold the reins. So I can be there and um, our EIRs that are working with that that business can be there to um, basically be a cheerleader for that company. And believe me, we do. But at the end of the day, it's out of our hands. The client development committee decides whether or not those funds are released. What can someone do who is applying for this uh, do to maximize their chances? What are you, What are you looking for in that application? 
Well, at the end of the day, this particular committee wants there to be jobs created in Ohio, especially in Youngstown. So right there, do that. Um, Say, if I do this and I build this company, eventually I will create X and X jobs or bring in this amount of capital to the city or, you know, show how it's going to help Youngstown um, come back. That's what they're looking for because it is the Youngstown Business Incubator. But if it's not Youngstown, they are, obviously, they like to see Youngstown, but Northeast Ohio, too. So this might be a little bit of a, a tougher question, but because the, the way software is going is basically remote, um, does that add some hesitation to these these organizations? Um, because uh, it's very easy for, while maybe the primary founder is Youngstown-based, and maybe they don't have a, a plan to, to leave the area. Uh, it's very easy and maybe advantageous to these uh, these companies to find talent elsewhere. Is that something that is a I I don't want I'm not trying to ask you to speak for the committee, but is that something that's a concern uh, with from the YBI's perspective or these um, organizations' perspectives when choosing what kind of companies to uh, support? No, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we're called the Youngstown Business Incubator. And our purpose is to, you know, and I don't know the mission by heart, I probably should, but the purpose is to get companies started in the Mahoning Valley. So that's always going to be first and foremost. With that said, if you are a company founder, I highly recommend you do what's best for your company. Period. I mean, that's what you need to do. Um, your success, if you're a portfolio company, translate into translates into our success. I mean, if we can brag, oh my God, that was one of our companies, that's going to be amazing. So that that stuff doesn't. At the end of the day, you need to do what's best for your company. Always. That's that's what I would. And we are here to support you. So there's never a no. But um, you know, I just always like to have that disclaimer of, you know. If you're a Youngstown company that's going to potentially create jobs in Youngstown or the Mahoning Valley, I should say, um, you're going to have you're you're going to pull the heartstrings of this committee a little more. Awesome, thank you. I I, I appreciate that advice, and I'm sure our listeners uh, do as well. Um, I think that's all the questions I have. I'm going to pass it back to Neil here. All right. So you know we've talked a lot about later steps of the process. Um, one thing I would, do want to ask is if someone out there right now has an idea, haven't done anything with it, it's just like percolating in the back of their mind, you know, what do you see as their first steps and what would you recommend for them to do? Go to YBI.org and you click on apply here under, actually, we're supposed to have a brand new website launch today. So that's kind of exciting. I, I think I'm the only one that gets excited about that kind of thing. <laughs> but um, you just click on the apply here button. And if you're a tech entrepreneur, I think it'll, give, you know, you click on technology company. If you're a small business, because obviously we have programming for small businesses as well, you click on small business and we go from there. I mean, I try and get back to um, people that have applied within two business days by email, I'll reach out. So, and, and I, you know, we get the ball rolling. All right. And, uh, similarly related to that question, if someone is not interested in starting a company, but, you know, pursuing an internship or in some way getting involved with one of the startups that are part of the program, uh, what would their first steps be? 
I would go to, well, you could call our number, which is on the website, or you could um, connect. I think there's actually a place where you can connect that'll take you to info at YBI.org. And then you can just put what your interest is and we'll reach out to you that way. I recommend email because, you know, how phones are these days. <laughs> and you're welcome to email me, cfific at ybi.org, and I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Excellent. Um, you know, just to start and close things out, one of the things we feel is that uh, part of the Mahoning Valley culture comes down to food. And as someone who's moved here from outside of the area, you know, do you have any specific restaurants or local spots that you would uh, recommend or that are your favorites you found since moving here? Um, so I, this, this, and this is the truth. I tell you this truthfully. I think the Middle Eastern food in Youngstown, Ohio is better than Chicago, better than, I, I, I don't know if I ate it as much in New York. I lived in Chicago way longer. Um, but I think the Middle Eastern food here is delicious. I think, you know, it's, it tastes like homemade Middle Eastern food because it truly is. There's a huge, I think a huge Lebanese community. Um, and it's just, it's fabulous. So Zenobia's, Aladdin's, um, Silva's, I, I don't know if that's Canfield or Boardman. I can never remember the, what the cutoff is, um, also, actually, the YBI crew goes to Abe Shwarma, which is on Market Street. We get lunch there all the time. He used to be in um, 20 Federal, but had to move out. So, But we will make the trek just to get his fatouche salad with chicken. So, yeah, Middle Eastern food for sure. I, if anybody is Italian, do not get mad at me. <laughs> I think the Italian food is really good, too. But I really love the Middle Eastern food here. Yeah, most of the answers we get to that question are mm -hmm. Italian restaurants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Chandler, thank you so much for coming on this month. Um, that is it for this month's episode of the Code Youngstown podcast. Uh, we definitely want to thank you for coming on. And we'd also like to thank you, our listeners. We'll be back with another episode next month. And in the meantime, join the community on our Slack through slack.codeyoungstown.com. And be sure to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast on your listening platform of choice.